I uh, sat in my office a few days ago and I wondered where have all the good sermons gone. You might not ever worry about that, but I do. I hope tonight that I will do more than just sermonize. I pray that God would help, help all of us speak to us in a very special way. Luke chapter 1, and I am going to pick up at the latter portion of that chapter. It was the prophecy of Zechariah concerning John the Baptist and his ministry. It begins in verse 67. We're not going to read that, but if you begin there, uh, John's father, Zechariah, who had been speechless for the entirety of uh, his wife's pregnancy, uh, was now uh, given voice and he prophesied of what was going to come through the ministry of John the Baptist and ultimately through Jesus Christ. And the purpose of John's ministry, what it was for, we can pick up in verse 76, and he said, Thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I have been drawn particularly to that last statement, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And everybody said amen. I don't really know what you want to call this tonight. Perhaps guidepost on the way to peace. Let's call it that. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of God. Luke, in his prophetic view of what Jesus Christ would come to do and be, pointed out, that part of his ministry and purpose was to guide our feet into the way of peace. I have been drawn to that phrase because of what I come to understand the word peace to mean. In the Hebrew, peace did not speak of the absence of trouble. Peace did not refer to a life that was free from problems. But when the word peace was used in the scriptural text, it did not mean the absence of conflict, but it literally spoke of all the things that make for man's highest good. Everything that is necessary 
for you and I to fulfill our ultimate goal in being what we are, humans. In reality, the peace of Scripture is what I would call a harmony of life where everything in our life is working toward one purpose. And there is a promise that is given to us here in our text that Jesus Christ and through Him there would be a door open to us, a path that man would be enabled to walk in the way that leads to peace. That there is a way of living. There is a way of conducting your life. There is a way of existing that will produce peace. Not just an absence of trouble, but where everything literally works together for the good to them who are the call according to his purpose. That everything in your life has a certain unity to it. It, it has a certain harmony. There, there is no sound of discord. There is no note of disharmony. There is a way of living that leads to, uh, and, and I wish that I had a better word, but leads to a harmony in life where everything sounds good. I don't know how else to describe it, but these instruments are, are, are wonderful tools that can be used to help us in, in our worship. And the keyboard, and it has a certain sound. And the drums, they have a certain sound. And the bass has a certain sound. The organ has a certain sound. But what makes them uh, enabled to to help me become the worshiper that I want to be is the fact that they work together. And there is nothing that is more treacherous than disharmony in music. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever been to hear an orchestra, but it's, it's a little bit disconcerting when you first come in there and you sit down because they're doing all of these things with their instruments, the violins, uh, uh, the, the cellos, uh, the horns, all of them. They're, they're taking a moment to get their their tone, and they're working out any last little bit of, of, of runs that may be a question. And, and if you listen, there, there is this disharmony. There, there is this utter chaos, and you're, you're listening to all of that, and you're wondering, now how is all of this going to come together? But then, all of a sudden, there's this one guy that steps to this little podium, and he takes his little baton, and he tap, tap, taps, and all of a sudden there is silence and then what was nothing but discord and nothing but chaos is suddenly transformed into the most beautiful of music that can lift you and carry you in, in, in the mind and in your spirit to places that the writer of that music intended for you to go. 
And it all happens because of the harmony that is found in the music. Amen. Harmony. And, and the word tells me that there should be that same kind of element in my life. That if there is friction in my life, if there is conflict, then I'm not on the right road. I'm not traveling down the right path. If my life is chaotic and there's arguments all the time, if there's confusion everywhere I turn, if every day I wake up to a new argument, then that tells me that I am not walking down the highway that leads to peace. Because when I am walking down that highway, God takes all of those things that in this setting, have caused confusion, and he orders them so that they all find their place and they begin to work together for my good. Am I making sense? Are you still with me? So what the prophecy of the Lord is, is that not only will he lead us into the way of salvation, not only will he Help us know what to do to be saved, but he will also teach us. He will lead us into a highway that will take us to peace, harmony, where discord and friction and conflict and argument are broken and they are not part of the fabric of our being. And so with that in mind, I... I got to thinking over the last few days, actually the last couple of months, how do you know that you're on that highway of peace? How do you know that you're on that road that leads to peace? Well, the only way that I know if I'm on the right road going anywhere are the signposts. They will tell me, I'm either getting closer or I'm getting farther away. That I'm either going in the right direction or I need to turn around and go another direction. And so I count on those signposts. I count on those guideposts to help me get where I need to go. And so obviously... If there is a way of peace, if there is a highway, if there is a road that leads to peace, then certainly there should be road signs along that way that say, yep, this is where you're headed in the right direction. So there's got to be something that is evident in your life that you can look at and you you, you can measure your life by and say, you know what, I must be headed in the right direction because This is a part of my life. I must be doing the right thing. And so with that in mind, I'm going to give you a few things that I believe are guideposts on the way of peace. Number one, I believe, would have to be the way that you and I regard life. And I want you to listen to me. The attitude in which we live. That life is either a gift or it's a grind. 
And whichever way you choose to look at your life, it will determine whether you're headed toward peace or not. And if you don't understand anything else I'm going to say tonight, I beg you to please listen to me right now. Because your life and the peace and harmony of your life is wrapped up in whether you understand that life is a gift. It has been given to you. God has breathed into you the opportunity. But what you or I make of it are left in our hands. And whether it is a blessed life or whether it is a cursed life is dependent on what I do with that gift that God gives me. Is life a blessing or a burden? It all depends on how you regard life. If you choose, you can go through life looking at it as being nothing really worth living. And if you live that way, then you will sell yourself out to the cheapest bidder. Immorality, ungodliness, anger, bitterness, hatred, vengeance, anything that you can think of. If you do not value life as a gift, that I, I am not promised anything. I have just been given an opportunity to live and be something and become something. And God designed me to be something. But if I do not regard life in the right attitude, then I will go through life with a chip on my shoulder believing that everybody owes me something and life owes me when really I am not owed anything. I have just been given an opportunity to become. Amen. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to what? To become, not be the Son of God, but to become the sons of God. That means there's a process involved. That you don't just wake up one morning and become what you need to be, but day by day choices and and an attitude that you decide to live life with, that it's a blessing to be here, that it's not a grind, that it's not a burden, that I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm wasting my days. I wake up in the morning and realize that this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. And I refuse to go through life with this negative attitude that everybody's against me. The glass is half full or half empty. What is it? What is your life? Is it half empty or half full? Your answer to that will tell me whether you're headed toward peace or not. Because if you've got this idea that life is half empty, there's nobody ever going to make you happy or satisfy you. There's no church that's going to be good enough. You're always going to live somewhere in a yesterday. 
of some bygone something that you had at one time that if you could just go back there, it would be the epitome of everything. But the truth is you can go back there and life wouldn't be any different than it is right now because you would be there. And if you can't be happy here, God knows you can't be happy if God let you go back in some gone day, bygone day, when everything was supposed to be better than it is today. I have to make up my mind that there are some things in life that the Holy Ghost will not do for me. The Holy Ghost will not decide whether I'm going to be happy or sad. I have to decide whether I'm going to be happy or sad. I have to make up my mind whether I'm going to view life as a blessing or a burden. You know, there's some people you get around, you don't ever want to ask them how they're doing. Because you might as well get ready. Well, you know, this hurts, but my stomach, my back, my kids... Something's wrong somewhere. You know what? I've lived long enough to figure out there's something wrong everywhere, folks. And there's something wrong with everybody's family. I hate to break the news to you, but you think you got the perfect family? The truth is there are no perfect families anymore. There's a little dysfunction in all of us. So quit beating yourself up saying, well, I wish I had a better family. Hey, you can make it better if you just change your attitude and say, you know what? God has given me an opportunity. God has given me a privilege to become something. And I am not going to let God down in what he has invested in. That's the first guidepost. The way that I regard life. My attitude about the way I live. Is it a gift or is it a grind? Is it a blessing or is it a burden? Life is worth living not because everything goes my way, but because God has given me life to live. That's why it's worth living. I think the second road sign that you're going to see when you travel down that highway is a signpost called contentment that I believe that the way of peace has a whole lot of contentment in it that I learn to be satisfied with what I have that I can learn to be satisfied with where I am knowing the difference between What you possess and what is merely on loan is a great thing to know. And the truth is, I don't really own anything. It's all on loan. So instead of me going through life feeling like there's something I'm not, I I don't have I need to learn how to be satisfied with what I have so that what God wants to bring me can be brought to me. But this is what I've discovered about living for God. If I am never satisfied with what I have, God will never give me what I need. 
that if I don't learn how to enjoy the things that I have, if peace is to be found, it has to be found within the limits of my abilities and get this, my disabilities. I have to learn to accept the fact that I have certain disabilities in life and I don't let them beat me down. I just accept them as part of life and realize that that's just part of who I am. I am not going to focus my life on those things and beat myself down every day about what I can't do. I'm going to realize that there are some things that I can do and I'm going to focus my attention on what I can do. Making the best of what you've got is one of the greatest things that you can ever learn to do in life. Because life is never ideal. I know some of you grew up with fairy tales about the princess turning or or, or the frog being kissed and turning into a princess. And uh, I know that you've heard all of these stories about they lived happily ever after. But it doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't always happen that way. Life isn't ideal. You know, it's kind of like uh, you, you want your spouse, you, you want your husband to, to, to be as funny as Rodney Dangerfield and as handsome as Kevin Costner. The truth is, he's about as funny as Kevin Costner and happy. He's as good-looking as, as Rodney Dangerfield. But the fact is, life is never perfect. It's never ideal. It's not always what we want it to be. And so somewhere in life, you have to learn to accept some things as they are. I appreciate my gifts And I am thankful that God has given me some abilities, but I realize that I do have some limitations. I can't do everything. I can't be everything. And you know what? You do an undeserved injustice to your spouse if you expect them to be your everything. Chew on that a little while. Because they can't be that. The only one that can be your everything is Jesus Christ. So you have to learn how to make yourself happy sometimes. You have to learn how to develop your own life and learn to be satisfied with what you have because if you're not ever satisfied with what you have, you're never going to get what you want. Amen. Put that in your pipe and smoke on a little while. I'm just being funny. Some of you look too serious tonight. Where have all those good sermons gone? I agree, Brother Hughes. Where have they all gone? They've gone the way of all the earth. Contentment. Everybody say contentment. You know, I could help calm a lot of discord in people's lives right now if I could just help them understand that if you would just quit fighting life and just accept life for what it is, you would find peace. You know, if you want to, you can wake up grumpy every day. Or you can let him sleep, one of the two. (laughs) Or let her sleep. I don't... You can can wake up 
angry because you don't have what you want. Or you can wake up thankful for what you have. Amen. I wonder sometimes what would happen if God were to just strip everything away from us that we have, that we think life owes us, and suddenly we didn't have anything. And we had to make our way through life and pick the things that we thought really mattered. I wonder what we would wind up with. I am convinced tonight it wouldn't be a lot of the stuff that we think we would have to have to be happy. Buried my aunt yesterday, my father's last living sister. And just in the middle of the funeral, I realized that my father's generation raised in the Depression. My dad was 11 years old when the Depression hit. His sister was four years old. There was work. You had to go where work could be found. So my father's father would go off wherever work was. And if it was in another state, he would be gone for months at a time. And as an 11-year-old boy, my dad had to learn how to raise his own sisters because his mother had a nervous breakdown in the midst of all that and in the process of that went blind. But you know what? Growing up, I never heard my parents griping and complaining and throwing temper tantrums about how unfair life was. They just took what life had dealt them and they made the best of it. They made family with what they had. My mother had already been married. Maybe I'm going to share some things that might shock you. My mother had been married once. She already had a child. Her first husband left her while she was pregnant. Just walked out on her. No reason, never heard from, no no note, nothing. Just left her. My dad met her. They came together and got married. He has a stepson. And he has two sisters that are living with him. And they're in the, 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 the outcoming of the depression when it was time. Uh, sometimes he said all that we had to eat were hard bread and water gravy. But I didn't hear him complaining about that. I didn't hear him coming home at night ranting and raving because we didn't have more. He just simply took what life had dealt him and he did the best with what he had. And he did the best he could with what he had. And the result of that is me, my brothers, my sister. We're nothing really. But the fact is, We could have been anything. We could have shipwrecked. Our family could have become blown apart by all the issues that blow so many other families apart. It could have divided us. But you know what? I grew up, I didn't even know my oldest brother was my stepbrother until I was 20 years old. Because my parents never made an issue of it. We were a family. And my dad, if he had a lot, we never knew it. And if we didn't have anything, we never knew it. I never went hungry. I never went without clothes. It may have been the same ones. I wore 
over and over. But back then it didn't matter anyway. But my dad and my mother and a generation of people accepted life as it was dealt to them and they made the best of it. And I am thankful tonight that all of his children, all of his children were living for God when he passed away. Not perfect. And I'm not saying that to break. I'm just saying this. If you would change your mindset about life and what you're owed or what somebody has got to do for you to make you happy and just say, you know what? Thank God I'm alive. It's not perfect. It's not ideal. But I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got and I'm going to make the best family I can make with what I have. Contentment. That's one roadside that tells one road sign that tells you you're headed toward peace. And you know what? If there is no peace in your home, I can tell you there is also no contentment in your home. Number 3. Another guidepost that will tell you that you're headed in the right direction are the things that you leave behind that you don't take with you, that you don't drag into every day of your life. Fear is one of them. Contempt is another one. One of the guideposts to the way of peace is fear not. Fear nothing. Why should you be afraid even when there is the presence of pain? You don't have to be afraid because God is with you. And your pain does not mean God is not with you. It just means that you're hurting. You may have to weep, but you do not have to be afraid. You may be in the presence of trouble, but problems do not have to make you fear. In this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Contentment and leaving things behind. The presence of enemies shouldn't even make you afraid. Because the promise of the word is that in the presence of your enemies, he will prepare a table for you. You know what, my mind's a little simple, but I've often thought what that must have been like. To prepare a table in the presence of mine enemies is what God said he would do. He has prepared something for me, and the enemy is surrounding me, but there is not one thing he can do to get to me or hurt me because my shepherd is watching out for me. Amen. There's some things you need to leave behind that you don't need to take with you and fear is one of them. And contempt is another. A guidepost to the peace that you desire. Another guidepost is that you are governed by the highest and the best, not the lowest. There are many spirits that try to influence my life and 
They guide my life in a direction or another. The Bible says it like this, that the spirit lusteth against the flesh. The spirit wars against the flesh because the flesh wants to take me one way and the spirit wants to take me another. And if I am down, if I am headed down the right road to peace, then I am going to be drawn by that which is best. I'm going to be drawn by those things that are spiritual. I'm going to be drawn by those things that will bring me closer to him, not by those things that take me from him. I'm going to be governed by what is best. I am going to be governed by what is pure, what is lovely, what is a good report. Amen. Those are the things that are going to influence my life. And those are the things that are going to move me toward peace. And if I am governed by anything less than the best, I'm not headed down the highway to peace. The next road sign that you're going to see is that, I I guess you would say, a sign that will say, be careful what you covet. Be careful what you covet because envy is a wicked thing and envy will blind you to what you possess. The covetous person is always disquieted, always unhappy, always unrestful. I wish my spouse would do that for me. I wish my job would do this for me. Be careful what you covet. Unhappiness with what we have can cause a great deal of unrest. But more than that, when you look at what somebody else has and you wish that that was yours, you have suddenly brought an unrestful spirit into your life. Amen. Why won't what I've got when you could have something better? That's what I hadn't figured out. Why worry about keeping up with the Joneses when the Joneses are behind somebody else? Why not try to keep up with Jesus? He's ahead of the whole pack. Why not just get ahead of the Joneses? My Lord, that's not a great step. Well, you know what? They got a new house. I got to have a new house. They got this. I got to have that. Oh, I heard they went on this vacation. So, honey, we got to go on that vacation. I'm talking about the road signs that will tell you whether you're headed down the highway of peace. Maybe this is too simple. I don't know. But I know a lot of unhappy people whose life could be settled tonight if they could learn to keep their eyes on Jesus Christ and no one else. Amen. It'd sure keep a lot more money in the bank too. And the last sign, maybe not the last, but at least the last one I'm going to give you tonight. I think one of the other signs you're going to see on the road to peace is be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Not only how you think, but what you think on. Because what you think is what you will become. What you set your mind to is what you will ultimately be. And so in, a, in my journey of life, 
I want to think more of my Savior than I do of my enemies. I want to think more of my gains than I do of my losses. I want to think more of my friends than I do my foes. I want to think more of what I've gained than what I've lost. Amen. I want to think more of what I have than what I don't have. Hmm. I'm back on that subject again. Good Lord, have mercy. Amen. Praise God. I want to think about what I have. Not just what I want, but what I have. Because what I want will never, ever be what I have. And if I base my happiness on what I want, I'm going to be a miserable person. But if I will base my happiness on what I have, what you think on, what you let your mind think on, will control your life. There are some people that have certain enemies in life and they wouldn't have to ever have a devil in their life to torment them because they let somebody else do it for him. You know what I made up my mind? I'm not letting anybody have such a hole on my life that they make my life a living hell. You know what? If you don't like me, that's your prerogative. If you don't want to hang out with me, that's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm not going to get puffed up and walk out and say, I'm not coming back to church there. I'm not going to sit on the side of the road and fall apart because somebody doesn't want to have anything. Well, they wouldn't talk to me. But you know what? Get over it. They don't have to talk to me for me to be happy. They don't have to talk to me for me to make it. I'm not letting somebody that hates me or doesn't approve of me. I'm not letting them determine the happiness of my life. I'm not letting whether or not they're doing what I want them to do make me happy or not. I'm going to let Jesus be the one that makes me that. Amen. 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 Praise God. I'm not going to sit around worrying about all of the losses that I've had in life. And I've had a lot of them. You've had a lot of them. But I'm not going to sit around wringing my hands about what I don't have, what's been taken away. You know what? Make adjustments in life. Learn how to make those adjustments and learn how to move on the fly, so to speak. Learn how to make your life adaptable to the circumstances that you are in and you will find a whole lot more peace in your family. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Not just a freedom from trouble, but a harmony in life where the discord And all the sour notes and all of the confusion and chaos begins to die down. And there is this, there's this beautiful music that begins to flow out of my soul as God has ordained. That's what he promised. He would not only save us, but he would lead us in the way of peace. Praise God.
How many of you tonight are worried about things that you've lost when if you would just look around at what you still have, amen, it would make you smile. Let's stand together. Praise God.